If you're enjoying this Med Prep to Go Step 1 podcast, you can now get the content along with the content of the Crush Step 1 podcast ad-free in one bundle. Just go to medpreptogo.com and find our new subscription podcast called Med Prep to Go Step 1 Bundle. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Dr. Raj, and this is the Med Prep to Go podcast. And I'll be reviewing USMLE Step 1 High Yield questions. And today, well, it's going to be Neurology Day. I want to be reading three Step 1 Neuro questions that are definitely going to be appearing on your board exams. And to get more questions, go to our website, www.medpreptogo.com. And let me remind everyone, this is a free audio and online question bank, which makes me really proud. And to learn more about me, Dr. Raj, check me out on my own podcast. One is called the Dr. Raj podcast. And number two is called the Beyond the Pearls podcast based upon my best-selling book series with Elsevier. The title's a morning report Beyond the Pearls when we talk about step two and step three stuff. And then there's uh, case reports Beyond the Pearls which is going to be more basic science step one stuff. And of course, it always makes me happy when you follow me on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and I'm a little embarrassed about this. You even could find me on TikTok. Anyways, let's get to some questions. So first one is going to be a 48-year-old woman brought to the emergency department by her husband who's concerned with her lack of speech. Um, He reports that she has been acting and speaking normally last night, uh, but this morning uh, did not respond to his conversation with her. Past history is significant for hypertension. She's treated with hydrochlorothiazide. Vital signs are within normal limits. On exam, patient's able to follow commands, but unable to speak. A lesion in which of the following areas is the most likely cause of this patient's presenting symptoms. So this is a great kind of anatomy question. Do you know your neuroanatomy? Is it A, the arcuate fasciculus? Is it B, the cunis? C, the inferior frontal gyrus? 
D, the lingula gyrus. E, the superior temporal gyrus. And the right answer here is going to be C. This is the inferior frontal gyrus. This patient is presenting with intact comprehension but impaired speech fluency. These symptoms are characteristic of expressive aphasia, otherwise known as, oh, you guys are amazing, broca aphasia. Broca aphasia is caused by damage due to a lesion in the inferior frontal gyrus. And you know this is high yield for the boards. So answer A, the accurate fasciculus is incorrect. A lesion in the acute fasciculus would result in conduction aphasia. Conduction aphasia is characterized by intact comprehension, intact speech fluency, but impaired repetition. Answer B, the cuneus is incorrect. The cuneus is located in the occipital lobe, and a lesion there would result in a deficit with the inferior visual field. Answer D, the lingula gyrus is incorrect. The lingula gyrus is in the occipital lobe, and a lesion there would result in deficits of the superior visual field. And last, choice E, the superior temporal gyrus is incorrect. A lesion in the superior temporal gyrus would result in Wernicke's aphasia, which is a receptive aphasia. Wernicke's aphasia is characterized by intact speech fluency, but impaired comprehension and impaired repetition. So what's the key teaching point here? Broca or expressive aphasia is caused by damage to the inferior frontal gyrus. Let's do another one. How about a seven-year-old boy is brought to the clinic by his parents who are concerned about his academic performance? They state that he is constantly in trouble for not paying attention in class and receiving numerous detentions for being, quote, off task, end quote. Uh, the patients say he is generally well-behaved at home, although he does sometimes take a long time to complete his homework assignments because he is very meticulous and checks his work multiple times to make sure it's correct. The patient is well-behaved in the exam room and sits in the corner coloring while the physician speaks with the parents. Occasionally, he stares into space for 8 to 10 seconds, making a slight smacking motion of the lips, which of the following is most appropriate treatment for his underlying condition. So here are the choices. A is carbamazepine. B is clonidine. C, cognitive behavioral therapy, which always seems like the right answer when you take a board exam because <laughs> it's not a drug. Uh, D, ethosexamide, or E, uh, Ritalin, uh, methylphenidate. So the correct answer here is ethosexamide, which you know this is going to be a thousand percent on your boards because you've got to call what this disorder is, and this is going to be absent seizures, you know. So this clinical vignette describes a classic findings of absent seizures, uh, which generally last less than 10 seconds, involves staring spells, and can induce rhythmic movements such as lip smacking. Ethosuximide is definitely the memorized uh, treatment of choice for absent seizures. Valproic acid is another common treatment, but it's generally going to be second line both clinically and on board exams. Choice A, carbamazepine is incorrect. Carbamazepine is an antileptic, but is not successful in treating absent seizures. Clonidine is incorrect. Clonidine is an appropriate treatment for things such as Tourette syndrome. Although this patient is exhibiting some tick-like movements, he does not meet the criteria for Tourette's, and he also has no vocal tics. C, cognitive behavioral therapy is incorrect. CBT is useful in treating OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. However, the patient spending, quote, meticulous, end quote, time on his homework is not enough to suggest a diagnosis of OCD. And I'm sure we all could spend a little more time 
on our homework, or at least, you know, my kids can. And I didn't mean that, kids. I love you. <laughs> uh, choice E, Ritalin, you know, is incorrect. So methylphenidate would be appropriate for, you know, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Absent seizures and ADHD are often confused. However, this patient does not show any signs of hyperactivity and no other signs of inattention other than the staring spells. Additionally, uh, he is only experiencing difficulties in one setting school and would need to be experiencing problems in at least two settings uh, to be diagnosed with ADHD. And let me just say on a side note, you know, when we talk about these stimulants, um, they do have a multitude of side effects. And of course, you want to make the correct diagnosis. And that when you're on stimulants, whether it's Ritalin, whether it's Adderall, that they could actually make seizures worse or induce seizures. When you're on these medications, these stimulants, you always want to check body weight. You can lose a lot of weight from there. You know, maybe more so in adults than in kids. You worry about high blood pressure, about tachyarrhythmias in these patients over here. And of course, whether you're adult or pediatric, being on these medications can change your mood. And, you know, we do give stimulants for ADHD, ADD, and they even use this in you know, children who have uh, autism combined with uh, ADHD, which is really hard. You know, these kids can get very angry and not express what they're feeling. So these are, are not benign medications. Just on the side note, maybe you're wondering about drugs like modafinil or armodafinil. You know that we use as stimulants in adults. We don't use those in kids less than 18 years of age. For one reason, it may induce a Stevens-Johnson syndrome, which is really a horrible, horrible, life-threatening, you know, uh, skin manifestation of the medication itself. So you want to be careful in general of using modafinil, armodafinil, people with sulfa allergies, just want to mention that. But regardless of all the beautiful pearls I just gave you, uh, methylphenidate is the wrong answer here. What's the key learning point? Ithosuximide is first-line treatment for absent seizures. And let's round off this with one last question. A 63-year-old woman, her husband presents to the physician's office due to concern about behavioral changes over the past four weeks. Uh, the patient's husband states that she has been having episodes where she will have a blank stare for mm, five minutes and pick at her shirt. Afterwards, she appears confused for up to an hour and does not remember the episode. The woman adds that she often experiences an unpleasant smell before an episode. Hmm. Uh, which of the following is the most likely location of abnormal electrical activity causing this patient's symptoms? All right. Kind of sounds like she's having a seizure, right? So is it A, frontal lobe, B, occipital lobe, C, parietal lobe, D, temporal lobe, or E, the thalamus? And the right answer here is going to be D, temporal lobe. So these are going to be focal seizures, and they can be categorized as simple or complex. Simple focal seizures occur when the patient is aware throughout the seizure. Focal seizures typically arise from the medial temporal lobe. Patients may experience motor, sensory, or autonomic symptoms. These include vocalizations, muscle movement, olfactory or auditory sensations, and hallucinations. So what is going to be the learning point over here? That focal seizures typically arise from the medial temporal lobe. Patients may experience automatisms or sensory changes. Simple focal seizures occur when the patient is aware of the seizure. And on a side note, when I think about temporal lobe, you mean one of the infections I worry about when someone presents with seizures and you suspect some kind of meningitis, you know, you definitely worry about herpes simplex. And, you know, when you think of HSV, you always think about involving the temporal lobes. They are often associated with seizures. I know buzzwords for the boards when you do a lumbar puncture, as you should. Not only should you send the HSV PCR, but you know, it could be you can see some RBCs in there, red blood cells. 
So these were some high yield questions for the boards, including some really important neuroanatomy. And if you folks enjoyed this, meanwhile, you know, go check out the website. And once again, I'm going to tell you it's medprep2go.com.